Hi, everyone, and welcome to Bible Stories for Snarky People. I'm Sarah. And I'm Josh. And today we're embarking on the next section of the Book of Job. If you caught the last episode, you heard that our usual pattern was interrupted by a troop of amateur voice actors. Say hi, everybody. Hi. Hello. Hello. Shay is playing Job, and that's a big role. And you start us off today. So are you ready, Job? Yep. The Book of Job, Chapter 3. After this, Job opened his mouth and cursed the day of his birth. Job said, Let the day perish on which I was born, and the night that said a man-child is conceived. Let that day be darkness. May God above not seek it, or light shine on it. Let gloom and deep darkness claim it. Let clouds settle upon it. Let the blackness of the day terrify it. That night, let thick darkness seize it. Let it not rejoice among the days of the year. Let it not come into the number of the months. Yes, let that night be barren. Let no joyful cry be heard in it. Let those curse it who curse the sea, those who are skilled to rouse up Leviathan. Let the stars of its dawn be dark. Let it hope for light but have none. May it not see the eyelids of the morning, because it did not shut the doors of my mother's womb and hide trouble from my eyes. Why did I not die at birth, come forth from the womb and expire? Why were there knees to receive me, or breasts for me to suck? Now I would be lying down and quiet. I would be asleep, and then I would be at rest. With kings and counselors of the earth, who rebuild ruins for themselves, or with princes who have gold, who fill their houses with silver. Or why was I not buried like a stillborn child? Okay, okay, this is a lot of really great, fun poetry, but going on for much longer is going to bore and or depress listeners. Can we, I don't know, summarize it? Oh, it can't be that long. Let's see. Uh, Flip, flip, flip. Yeah, the book's only, uh, it's only 42 chapters! (gasps) Holy crap! At this rate, we won't finish until most of you are halfway through college. Yeah, I don't think we can keep you all committed for that long. There's got to be a different way to do this. We can do this in a lot fewer words, with the help of some careful summarizing and maybe also a little bit of language borrowed from Eugene Peterson's paraphrase of the Bible called The Message, watch and learn. What is the point of life? I wish God would kill me now and get it over with. Suffering happens to all of us, but it'll all come out in the wash. Human beings are born to trouble just as sparks fly upwards. You may suffer for a little while now, but it's just to remind you that God is in charge. Do not despise the discipline of the Almighty, for he wounds, but he binds, he strikes, but his hands heal. Ultimately, you'll be happy again because you're a good person and all the bad people will suffer eternal torment. We all get what we deserve in the long run. 
Eliphaz, you're no help at all. You make God sound like an abusive parent. My experience alone is enough to prove you wrong. You call this a little bit of suffering just for now? I have nothing left to be happy about, and I never will. As for you, God, leave me alone. Even if I'd done something to deserve punishment, this would be way too extreme. Why are you picking on me? Look, Joe, God doesn't make mistakes. If it's not your fault, then your children must have done something so bad that God killed them. Stick with God and trust God's plan for your life. Eventually, you'll get over this suffering and be happy again. Shut up. I've heard all this before. God is so far beyond our understanding. I'm only human, so there's nothing I can say to change God's plans. He is so huge and powerful, and I will never comprehend him. Hey, I'm innocent and so are my children. Yet despite that, my life is ruined. There's no way for me to win here. Look, God, didn't you love me once? You gave me a wonderful life. But I should have known there was a catch. Now comes the suffering. So why was I born at all? I insist. Just kill me now. <gasps> Be careful how you talk, Job. You think that you know everything about God, but the truth is that compared to God, you're a little worm. You think you're entitled to an explanation from God? Maybe God should have done something even worse to you. All of God's gifts are undeserved, but if you stay faithful, everything will be all right. Only bad people will suffer forever. Oh, Zophar, you've got it all figured out, I see. I literally just said that I will never understand God. I wish you and these other two so-called friends would quit ridiculing me. Everything you're saying is stuff everybody knows. Ask the animals and they will teach you. The birds of the air and they will teach you. God holds all the cards, not me and definitely not you. In fact, I've had it with all three of you. Shut up and let me pray. Okay, God. First, stop punishing me. Second, answer me directly. What have I done to deserve all this? You don't know what it's like to be human. Our tiny little lives may seem like nothing to you, but they're very important to us. Is there anything for us after death? Is there any resurrection? That's all I want to know. Job, you're bordering on blasphemy. You're going to doom yourself here. Do you think you're the first person who has ever suffered? Aren't God's promises in the Bible enough for you? What do you know that we do not know? You can't dictate your terms to God. That is sinful. You're begging for more trouble. You should be comforting me, not blaming the victim. You don't know what it's like to be in my shoes. I can't find a sensible person among you. When I talk about my pain, it hurts. When I stay silent, it hurts. It all hurts. And I can't make it stop. Then you come along and make it worse. Isn't there anybody on earth or in heaven who will take my side? Some attorney to clear my name? My only hope is in death. Job, we're doing our best and you don't even appreciate it. Why are we stupid in your sight? Here's the most important thing to remember. Bad people get punished. Don't become one of them. I told you, I haven't done anything wrong. God is angry with me for no reason. Nobody understands me anymore. Even my wife can't stand my company. I'm the victim, yet everybody hates me. Can't I even count on my friends to stick up for me? Quit trying to make me be good. I've told you, I'm innocent. Worry about your own souls for a change and be good to me. Oh, that my words were written down. Oh, that they were inscribed in a book. Oh, that with an iron pen and with lead they were engraved on a rock forever. 
Hey, those sentences are directly from the text. Wow, I didn't know the Bible got meta. Don't you know all of our old sacred stories? Evil people never prosper for long. They get what's coming to them. Do you want that to be you? None of us is good. Only God. Just pray that God will save you. It's your only hope. Just listen for a minute. Later, you can mock me all you want. I'm not complaining to you. I'm complaining to God. But God isn't talking back. Why do people get away with murder? And all these powerful corporate executives make a living off other people's suffering. But they never get punished. You might say, well... God will punish their children instead, but that doesn't make sense. They're the ones who sinned, not their children. You keep insisting it'll all come out fairly in the end, but how can anyone know that for sure? Uh, I think Job's gone a bit off topic here. This is just a philosophical debate now, nothing to do with his situation specifically. But you keep drawing a distinction between bad people and good people from God's perspective. That distinction is meaningless. Besides, you lived a comfortable life for all those years when other people were starving in the street. That means you're guilty. You were part of a corrupt system that makes the rich richer and the poor poorer. And what did you do to change the system? You'd better submit to God's will for your life and stop talking. It's the only way God will save you now. Whatever. I'm not budging. If I could, I'd bring a lawsuit against God. I'd put him on trial for crimes against humanity. An impartial judge would clearly find me blameless. But where is the impartial judge? God will do what God will do. And I'm helpless. God doesn't even keep set office hours when I might contact him. And I know I'm not the only one who has suffered. So why does God let so much suffering continue throughout the world? Murderers, sexual predators, hedge fund managers, presidents? They're constantly committing crimes and not getting caught. They deserve this kind of suffering. But will it ever happen? From all I've seen, God's disciplinary track record is not encouraging. God's plan is perfect. You just can't see it all yet. Even the imperfections are part of the picture, and we'll all understand someday. Oh, thanks. Thanks a lot. Oh, tremendously wise one. You're so helpful. Look, don't speak as if you understand God's plan any better than I do. What would you say if God showed up to talk to you face to face? God has ruined my life, but I'm not going to compromise my integrity by telling myself comforting lies. Until God gives all the wicked people what they deserve and takes back all the punishment that I don't deserve, I won't be satisfied. But that's not how it works. Bad people prosper and good people suffer. And that's not fair. I suppose God must be the path to wisdom, because what other path could there be? But I don't see how to get that wisdom. Oh, how I miss my old life, what I wouldn't give to have it back again, and the children I've lost. I did my very best. Really, I did. God, to whatever degree I deserve punishment, let me have it. But it can't have been this bad. It really can't. Okay, look, all of you are older than I am, and that's why I haven't said anything up until now. Figured the four of you would arrive at some kernel of wisdom eventually. Uh, who is this guy and where did he come from? I have no idea. Oh, yeah. The footnote in my Bible says that most scholars think this part was added in later, just kind of dropped in clumsily. Uh, Elihu is going to try to find a middle way between Job and his friends, but uh, he's not going to go easy on them. What have you proved with all of your arguing? Nothing. 
none of us is any wiser than we were before this started. You three supposed friends, you're all total frauds. Now it's my turn, and I have six chapters of things to say. Job, please hear me out and try and prove me wrong. You say you've done nothing to deserve all of this, and that God is silent to your accusations, and that what you deserve is an explanation. But God always answers in one way or another, even if the answer is silence. Or the answer might be pain and suffering. Or the answer might be, well, anything. Your best bet is to keep praying. All our ancient stories come to the same point. Second, God is, by definition, good. God is not capable of evil. And that means you've got nothing to complain about. Why don't you just apologize for having sinned? Confess, even if you don't know what you're confessing. At least allow for the possibility that your innocence isn't completely assured and that God might be trying to teach you something here. Third, what does it matter to God whether you sin? God is so great that you can't possibly hurt him by your actions. And God doesn't need your approval. Fourth, it is easy to pray when things are going badly. But do you remember to pray when things are going well? All that time that we're going along with our happy lives, we forget to talk to God. So why should God rust to answer you when you finally text him? Look, Job, God keeps track of every one of us. Somehow God is in charge of everything, yet he still has time to take care of the smallest things. Frankly, this blows me away. Everything about God is so beautiful. All this wonderful life's a miracle. Praise God, praise God, praise God, praise God, praise God. It's the Lord. Job, stand up straight. Who are you to talk like that when you know so little? It's time for me to cross-examine you. Where were you when I created the earth? Do you know your way around the cosmos? Would you know how to run it? Would the creatures I have made obey your commands? Can you provide enough food for all the animals on the earth? Surely you know. Answer me. Well, what do you want me to say? As you just said, I am small and know nothing. Go on. Oh, I could go on about all the great and amazing things in this world that owe their very existence to me. And indeed, I do go on and on for two more chapters. But for the sake of those listening now, let me just say this. Will you try to make me evil so you can remain good? Silence. Well, now I've seen it all. I thought I understood you before. I've heard all my life that you can do anything and that nobody can stop you. But that was all hearsay. And now I've seen it for myself. We humans long for justice, but your power is so extreme that our notions of justice just fall apart in your presence. Now I know too much, and frankly, I'm disgusted. I pity myself and all of humanity for having you as our god. As for you three, get out of my sight. Job here is the only honest one, and the only one who sees me as I am. The rest of you are just telling sweet-sounding lies. Go home and pray for your souls. I'm sure Job will do the same. And they did. And immediately, God gave Job double the fortune he'd had before, including 14,000 sheep, 6,000 camels, a thousand yoke of oxen, and a thousand donkeys. 
Job and his wife also had 10 more children, including three daughters who were way more beautiful than all the other women on Earth, and they got an inheritance from him too, despite being female. And Job lived for another 140 years in happiness and comfort. The end. That's it. That's the end of the book. Hey, at least I get a happy ending. Sort of? I don't know. It just doesn't feel much like a fulfilling ending, does it? It's very fast. Well, this is a summarized version, but the exact text also wraps things up extremely fast. I can't help but think that if Disney made a cartoon of Job, it might end kind of like this. Or not. They might come up with something way more satisfying than this. I wonder what Job's wife felt about all their kids just getting replaced like that with supposedly better ones. And uh, what happened to Elihu? As soon as God showed up, he just sort of disappeared. Poof. God even talks about Job's three friends, not four. Well, we mentioned earlier that Elihu was likely inserted badly into the story later, so that's probably why. But it's not like the people who wrote the Bible down were terrible editors or didn't see what they were doing. They must have had a reason not to smooth Elihu in a little more clearly. Maybe the story was already in this form before it got written down and they just wanted to honor its existing form. But I keep coming back to a bigger question. Does this book help us understand how the world works any better than we did before? I mean why bad things happen to people is an ancient question that people have been trying to answer since we could first ask it. Good people definitely suffer all the time. Every day. I'd sure like to know the answer. As would I, obviously. I mean, me being Job and all. This story really strikes me as people exploring and laying out different potential answers, none of which quite work, And then remembering this is supposed to be a story and tacking on an ending. Or taking an existing simplistic story that used to get shared around the campfire and giving it more depth, thanks to wisdom gained over the centuries. Is there anything else in the Bible even remotely like this book? Well, there's the book of Proverbs, which offers all sorts of little snippets of wisdom, but that tends to be more conventional wisdom. Better yet, there's the book of Ecclesiastes which is told from one person's perspective, someone just called the teacher. He keeps talking about how all of life is pretty much meaningless and all our best efforts come to nothing because everybody eventually dies and their projects fall apart. So the best thing we can do with our time is follow God's law and love one another. When I'm feeling like life is pointless, it's actually kind of helpful to know that people living thousands of years ago sometimes felt the same way. Maybe that's one reason this book was written. Job's words, inscribed in a book, carved into stone for future generations to talk about, like we've been doing today. Did Job actually exist to say those words, though? No, this doesn't read like a historical account of anything. I mean, if there ever was such a person, he might have been sort of a cautionary tale. Like, I heard about this one guy who lost everything all at once. Let's write a story about him. So maybe he really existed, but more likely than not, Job is a philosophical thought exercise. Which doesn't make the book any less important. Right. 
Either way, somebody thousands of years ago wrote this story down and intended people to keep unpacking it, to keep wondering about these fundamental questions of the universe. Well, thanks for letting us crash your party. It was fun to have friends helping out. And it's always good to change up the format sometimes, keep things fresh. New people means new perspectives with different questions. And the best thing you can do with the Bible is... Ask lots and lots of questions. Yeah, we've heard that tagline before. And it's true. This is really a dream come true for us. We started this show at the beginning of the pandemic, just recording and sharing with friends and family at first, and then finally turning it into a podcast. I don't know how long we can keep it up because we seem to get busier and busier as the pandemic subsides. But we've talked for a long time about involving more people. And as long as there are young people who are interested and curious, there's reason to keep going. Although things are going to get complicated next fall when I go off to college. Yeah, but we did this whole episode over Zoom, so there are possibilities there. Yep, and we will definitely take that into account. There is a whole bunch more we could do with this show. I'd like to spend some time in the Gospels and talk more about Jesus. His disciples do give us lots of opportunities to be snarky. But that will have to wait for another time. Again, a huge thank you to Shay, Felix, Isaac, Soren, and Jasmine, plus Rose as Elihu for joining us today. And to the listeners, we'll see you next time on Bible Stories for Snarky People. Bye. Bye! In addition to music and sound effects credited in the previous episodes, this one contains several radio transition sounds by Freak Sound Design. This two-part Bible Stories for Snarky People series has served a dual purpose, to educate and entertain you, and also to serve as credit towards my International Baccalaureate Diploma. One of our projects assigned through IB is to rally a group of people to accomplish something of service to the wider community, and this matched up well to ideas we had already been tossing around about bringing in more people to our podcast. To the IB coordinator at my school, you can hear that this project is now complete. And again, many thanks to our super fans and volunteers, Shay, Felix, Isaac, Soren, Jasmine, and Rose. I'm so grateful that you took time out of your schedules to help me with this project. Thank you.